Has God ever interrupted your life? He's certainly interrupted mine, and on more than one occasion. The biggest interruption occurred after I had been working in the business world for 12 years, and God interrupted my career plans. He made it clear that he wanted me to leave the marketplace and enter ministry. Now, that wasn't a new thought. I'd actually done some studying for the ministry as part of my college education. I had done some academic preparation, but I had left that idea long behind. I was a businessman. My decisions were made. My path was set. God, though, had other plans. And he got my attention in a very vivid way. He didn't speak to me in an audible voice. I didn't have an encounter with an angel. He just sent some friends. Over a three-week period, three different men that I deeply respected and admired and trusted, they each came to me and spoke to me, and each of them in their own way said, Bruce, we think that it's time. It's time for you to leave behind your business career and become a minister. None of these men were aware that the other men had spoken to me. So this wasn't a planned assault. I knew it wasn't a coincidence. I knew that God was speaking. Now, it can be very exciting to know that God is speaking to you, and it also can be very scary. It can be scary for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons it's scary is that when God speaks to us, oftentimes He's asking us to make a change, and change is scary. And this change wouldn't affect just me, it would affect my wife, Julie. It would affect our young and growing family. And I knew that if I said yes to God, it would be more than a career change, it would be a lifestyle change. My pay would drop substantially. My work week and the rhythm of my week would change dramatically. And I no longer would be a businessman. I would be a pastor. And I wasn't sure that I wanted that label and that lifestyle. And I wasn't sure I could navigate that change. I was afraid. One of the interesting things about our God is that He doesn't pressure us. He just made His will known. And then I had to decide how to respond. So Julie and I spent a lot of time talking and praying, and then we said yes. We took the plunge. I still had a lot of unanswered questions, but here's what it came down to. I chose to trust that my Heavenly Father knew what was best for me. I chose to trust that He knew what He was doing, and I trusted that He could help me move beyond my fears and beyond my doubts and help me faithfully live out His plan for my life for my wife's life, for our family's life. But how actually do we do that? How do we move beyond fear to the point where we can embrace God's plan for us, whatever it might be? Well, as Julie and I talked and prayed, we we often turn to the Bible for insight and wisdom. And the reality is there are so many examples in Scripture of God interrupting the lives of different people. Of saying, I want you to head in a new direction. Just read the story of Abraham, the story of Moses, 
the story of the Apostle Paul, just to name a few. Those examples are there in the Bible to help us so we can know what to do when God interrupts our lives. I think, though, some of the most vivid examples of God's interruptions occur in the Christmas story. God interrupts a whole lot of lives in dramatic ways to bring about the birth of his son. We're going to explore that together over the next few weeks, but this morning as we start off, what I want us to see is this, this story of the arrival of Jesus into the world is centered on a particular person, Mary, a young Jewish girl. And her life is interrupted in a dramatic and even radical way. And in the way she chooses to respond to God, she shows us how we can move beyond our fears and arrive at a point of obedience. In the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, Mary shows us how we can embrace God, embrace his plans, and trust him to lead us. Let's take a look together. Luke 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now you might not know it, but Luke, who's the author of this account, went through his own dramatic change in his life. He was trained as a physician. He was a doctor. But after becoming a follower of Jesus, he developed a close friendship with the apostles and he became their traveling companion. And because of his training, he had an eye for detail and analysis and, and diagnosis, and so he became a historian. And he chronicled the growth of the early church force in the book of Acts. And he wrote a biography of the life of Jesus that we call the book of Luke. And it's here in Luke that he provides us with an overview of the events leading up to the birth of Jesus. He actually begins with the pregnancy of Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. Elizabeth is going to become the mother of John the Baptist, and her pregnancy also is a miraculous one. You can read about her story earlier in the book of Luke. And in these opening chapters, Luke is going to jump kind of back and forth between some of the different characters in this unfolding story, and he wants us to keep the timeline straight. And so here, he lets us know that Elizabeth is six months along in her pregnancy when an angel shows up to dramatically interrupt Mary's life and Mary's plans. And who is this girl, Mary? Well, she's young. She's innocent. She's a small-town girl. And when this angel shows up, she's probably spending most of her time and attention focused on her upcoming wedding because she's engaged to a local man, a good man, a godly man, a man named Joseph who's established a trade in the village as a carpenter. That's what Mary's thinking about. And she's just going about her normal everyday business, pursuing her plans when God's messenger, this angel named Gabriel, shows up and Mary's about to learn that God has some plans for her. 
very different plans from her own. So how does Mary react to this heavenly interruption? Well, as we see from our passage, not real well. There's not a lot of enthusiasm here. In fact, she's very troubled. I think we can understand that. Let's face it, having an angel show up is not an everyday occurrence. It's a very supernatural thing, and we don't really expect supernatural events to happen to us. And furthermore, Mary, she's a faithful Jewish girl, which means she would know the major biblical stories. She would have been told how angels interrupted the lives of some of her Jewish ancestors. She would know that an angel doesn't just show up to pass the time of day. When an angel shows up, it's serious business. It's no surprise that Mary is greatly troubled. The appearance of this angel and his unusual words of greeting are highly unsettling. I I imagine Mary standing there, eyes wide, heart pounding, wondering what's going on, perhaps all kinds of questions racing through her mind, and she is troubled, and she's anxious, and there even is an element of fear in her response. Gabriel sees her fear and immediately speaks to comfort her. He wants to let her know that his arrival is not an indication of a problem, but that he has come to bring good news. So he lets her know twice that she has found favor with God. And that word favor is a very loaded word with a significant implication that Mary would not miss. It's a form of the word that we usually translate grace. Grace. Grace is an unearned blessing. And so this greeting from the angel does not mean that somehow Mary has earned God's favor. It means that God has chosen to favor Mary. He has chosen her. She's been given something here that she doesn't deserve. God is giving her a gift. And as she hears that greeting, she must be wondering why she's been chosen. And she must be wondering what she's been chosen for. And she's about to find out. Let's look at verse 31. Gabriel continues, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Mary learns that she has been chosen for a specific task, to have a baby. But not just any baby. This future son is going to be a leader of historic proportions, and she has to give him the name of Jesus. Now, in a culture that deeply values the meaning of names, that name would grip her. It comes from the Hebrew name Yeshua, which means salvation. 
And so as a result of all that Gabriel says, she recognizes that this Jesus is going to fulfill ancient prophecies because he will occupy the throne of David forever. He will establish a kingdom that lasts forever, and he will play a vital role in the salvation of the Jewish people. What a message. What a mission for this yet unborn son. And I think we have to ask, why would God pick Mary, a young and inexperienced girl, for such a consequential, substantial role? We're not told, other than God decided. It was God's decision to put favor upon her. But I think we can logically assume that Mary had faith, that she was a woman who trusted God. But I also think that God picked her precisely because she was young and inexperienced. I believe that factored into this decision, and here's why. I'd like us for a moment to consider the sacrificial system that God had put in place for the Jewish people. Once a year, the people would come together and they would sacrifice an innocent animal whose death would pay the penalty for their sins. And that sacrifice always was a young lamb not an aged sheep. And why? Because an old sheep would have bruises and cuts. It would be imperfect and it would show the wear and tear of age. A young lamb, though, could be unblemished. It was chosen specifically because it was young and pure and not yet scarred by life. I believe that Mary, in a similar way, is chosen because of her youth. She's not only young, she's lived a sheltered life in a small rural village, so she's not yet been bumped and bruised by life. God picks a woman who still is a virgin, a woman who is unblemished, a young woman to be the mother of his son. This message from Gabriel has to be overwhelming for Mary. She's heard that she's been chosen for a life-altering, history-changing role. And what the angel has described goes beyond anything that she knows, anything she understands, anything she's ever experienced, everything she was hoping for. As a young woman facing marriage, I have no doubts that she hoped someday she would be a mother. I seriously doubt she was praying earnestly for God to make her an unwed mother. This was not part of her plan, so she likely has many, many questions. Perhaps questions like, why me, Lord? Why now? And perhaps some really practical questions like, what will I tell my parents? What will I tell my fiancé? Whatever question she might have, though, She only asks one. She zeroes in on the central issue. How can I, as a virgin, get pregnant? And it's a very logical question because from a completely human perspective, it makes no sense. And because it does not make biological sense, it would be so easy to believe that it couldn't happen. It would be so easy for us to believe that it didn't happen. And yet that's what makes it a miracle. 
A miracle is an action by God that defies what we know and understand and can logically explain. A miracle takes place when God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who established the natural order, steps into his world and shakes up the natural order and upsets it in order to do something extraordinary. God wants to do a miracle through Mary to bring his son into the world. But it doesn't add up for Mary. And so she asks the question. And I don't know about you, but I am so very glad that she asks. I think she shows us that it's normal and natural to have questions for God, particularly when he interrupts our plans and asks us to head our life in a new and different direction. Mary shows us that it's okay to have questions for God. Here's the key issue. When God answers, will we accept it? That's where the rubber meets the road. Let's see what kind of answer Gabriel provides to Mary's question. Verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I often have questions for God. And to me, it's a relief that Gabriel doesn't criticize Mary for asking the question. And the fact that she asks the question doesn't cause God's messenger to say, well, well, by asking the question, now you're sort of disqualified. He doesn't say, what? You have a question? I'm going to go choose somebody else. Gabriel doesn't say anything like that. She asks a sincere question, and Gabriel gives her an answer. And he simply explains that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in her that defies rational human explanation and bring about the miraculous birth of this child. And he makes it clear that this child will not be the biological son of Joseph, her fiancé. This child will be the son of God himself. And God wants Mary to know that that he's never limited by physical constraints. He says, you're not alone in this, Mary. There's another miracle birth happening right now. It's going on with your cousin Elizabeth. She is pregnant even though she is way beyond the childbearing years. So nothing is impossible with God. Now, despite Gabriel's answer, I suspect that Mary doesn't fully understand I mean, how could she? What does it even mean that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the power of God will overshadow her? I don't get that. It really doesn't explain the details. It just lets her know that God will make it happen. Somehow, someway, as He plans, it can come about. We need to notice, though, that all of this is described in the future tense. It hasn't happened yet. 
It hasn't happened yet because God does not force himself on Mary. She doesn't have to go along with this plan because we always have a choice with God. We're always free to say no. The Bible is filled with stories of people who encountered God, people who got clear messages from God, sometimes directly, sometimes through God's messengers, and who chose to turn their backs on God and go their own way. The Pharaoh of Egypt is a classic example. God sent Moses to give Pharaoh a very clear message, and Pharaoh ignored it. And our forefathers in the faith, people like Abraham and Moses, Sometimes they followed God's plan, and sometimes they didn't, because we always have a choice. I've met people on their deathbed, people knowing they were going to die and who had questions, who wondered if there was hope beyond the grave. And sometimes when I've offered to talk with those people and pray with them, they have said no. They are staring eternity in the face and they want nothing to do with God. They don't want to hear his message. And that's their choice. Our God never forces himself on anyone. So it's up to Mary to decide how she will respond. And she can willingly embrace this plan from God or she can walk away. And she chooses to respond with trust. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What a simple, profound statement. One of the greatest statements of faith and trust in all of Scripture. We need to think about what's happened here. Gabriel shows up unannounced interrupted Mary in the middle of a normal day, in the middle of her routine, and she reacted to that arrival with discomfort, and she was troubled and even had some fear. The angel's message prompted a question, and then Mary chose to respond with obedience. She shows us that we do not need to surrender to fear. We can respond to God with faith. And Mary here is following God's plan not because she has all the answers. She is trusting God despite whatever lingering questions she might have. It always boils down to a decision. Will we trust? Mary chooses to trust. And she's not alone. God shows up and interrupts our lives in a variety of ways for a variety of reasons. I know from many of you that you've experienced your own interruptions from God. And for some, it's been a radical career change. For others, it's been a dramatic relocation. For some of you, that major interruption occurred when God stepped into your life and said, I want you to take a break from your work for a while and invest some time on the mission field. But we make a mistake if we think that all of God's interruptions are big and dramatic. Sometimes they're small and and less dramatic and, and maybe less obvious. I think one of the ways that God regularly wants to interrupt you and interrupt me is to give us a little nudge to break out of our ruts 
and get to know a friend, a neighbor, get to know a coworker who is far from God and build a meaningful relationship with them and try and influence them toward Jesus. And sometimes those relationships don't happen because we're unwilling to be interrupted. Whenever God interrupts us, however he interrupts us, it can be unsettling. It can be troubling. It can be fearful. We may have questions that need to be asked, but in the end, we always have a choice. Turn away or embrace God's plan. And we can be like Mary. We can, we can trust that the Heavenly Father always knows what's best. And by faith, we can believe that the greatest fulfillment and the greatest joy in life occurs when we embrace God's plans rather than our own. That's certainly been the case in my life. I hope it's the case in yours. And whenever God may speak into your life, whenever he may do something dramatic and interrupt you, my hope and my prayer is that we always will respond like Mary. Because Mary, this sweet, young, innocent girl, shows us something powerful. She shows us how we can not surrender to fear and instead always choose trust and obedience. That's the path God wants each of his children to follow.